time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Hello, ladies of PSM. How are you tonight? We are so excited to have you here. Excited to have some time with just the girls to talk, chat, and um, just kind of review this whole blank space thing that we're talking about. And um, Miss Stephanie Henderson, she is, <laughs> she's on staff here. She's one of our pastors, and she showed me her card because I'm like, mm, what's your title? I don't even remember, but the reason why I don't remember is because she's such a dear friend to me. She is a mentor in my life, and I am just so excited that she's here and that you get to hear from her. So I want to encourage each of you to open your ears, to open your heart, and know that God really wants to speak to you about blank spaces, about purity, and about where you are in your relationship with the Lord and what he wants to do in and through your heart tonight. So I'm just going to pray, and then Pastor Stephanie is going to come up, and I want y'all to give her a big round of applause. So Lord Jesus, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you for each young lady that's here, God, and I pray that you would just do such a work in our hearts. I pray that our hearts would be open, that our ears would be open, and that our, um, our, our hearts and our spirits would be attuned to what it is that you have to say to us here tonight, God. I bind up any distraction in the name of Jesus, and I pray that you would move in such a powerful way that we would see you in a new light, that we would see you in a new perspective, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's give her a big hand. So sorry. <laughs> I am so excited to be with you ladies tonight. I, I've been teaching a series by Lisa Bevere in the main building called Lioness Arising with the Women of New Life Church. And I'm like, I am so pumped about being with the younger women of New Life Church. And so thank you so much for letting me come hang out with you guys tonight. Now we're going to talk about an awkward subject. And so how many of you feel awkward about this already? Raise your hand. Be honest in the house. Do not lie in the church. Okay. I agree. Let me, let me just let me help you right this moment. I'm not going to ask you personal questions. You're not going to have to come in at the altar and, and confess things. We're, we're, that's not what this is about. But woman to woman, there are things that we have to chat about from time to time. Now, I will tell you, I have a daughter who is 30 years old, and these discussions that we're going to be having tonight are something that are continual con conversations that my daughter and I continue to have because here's the truth. Being a woman is a lifelong journey. It's not something that you have to figure out before you go to college. Let me take the pressure off of you right there. It is a lifelong journey, and the Word of God says we are continually being conformed into the image of Christ, and so it's a work in progress. It doesn't mean that you have to understand everything at this moment. It doesn't mean that you have to know all the answers. It doesn't mean any of those things. You see, because relationship with Christ is easy. It's not hard. His Word said that his burden is what? Light. Easy. Easy. 
So let's all just relax. Take a deep breath in and out. Okay, we can relax. All right, good. We're going to talk about purity. And what does that mean? But here's what we're really going to talk about. We're going to talk about our sexuality as women. Okay, see, you just like gasped back in that breath you just took out, didn't you? Yes. Here's a news flash. We are all women. We are girls. Do you know the Lord made us so unique and so special and so incredible that we get to celebrate our sexuality as women is something to be celebrated. It's not something to be ashamed of. Because we are who we are, because God destined, it, the Word of God says before the beginning of time that you were going to be a young lady, and I was going to be a girl. And I don't know about you, I like being a girl. We had today, I had the honor of teaching our women on staff. Now, that is part of my job here at New Life Church. I coach and equip and love on our staff. But I got to be with the girls of our staff. And you know what that means? That means we can tell stories that make us cry. And we are perfectly okay with crying. And we can all cry at the same time. And every, we are fine with it because that is, we as women are made to be expression of God. And the way that we express him is not like boys. The guys show up for a meeting and they do little knuckle, whatever you call that. I don't know what that's called. What do you call it? Help me. This, it's like Jersey, fist pump. Okay, it has a different meaning. But they do that, and they grunt, and they eat weird food. But girls, we like quiche. We like little sandwiches. We like little baby tiny desserts. We like pink. Yes? Yes. We've got to have, like, don't you get excited about little tiny food? What is it about little food? See? Yes. Okay. So that is our expression. And so here's what I want us to remember tonight. Okay, wait, I have to ask. Why are y'all sitting way back there? Come. No, come. Called out right there. Just pretend like I'm your mom. Get up here and come sit with us. Let me tell you something. I have been in ministry since I was 18 years old. Now, that has been a minute or two. Thank you, ladies, for moving. I want to see you. And I was a pastor's wife for 18 years. And my children are pastor's children. And some call them pastor's brats. And some can be. Mine wanted to be brats at times, but they didn't get very far with it. And so when we were in church, we always sat on the front row. And I told my children as high schoolers, you can sit wherever you want in the congregation as long as I can see you. And you may sit with your friends. As long as I see you, you are not talking. You are not disrupting. You're not cutting up in church. If you cut up in church, and here was our agreement, then I was going to stare at you until my eyes burned a hole through your head. And I was going to do this. You know what that meant? First warning. Now, if I got to this, that meant you were still cutting up. And I held up my two. If I got to three, 
and you were still cutting up, no matter what was happening, no matter if somebody was being baptized, no matter if it was in the middle of the sermon, that meant that mom got off of her front pew and in front of the church, I walked to you and stood by you and embarrassed you. And then you got to come to my office. And then there were consequences. So, you see, I'm quite comfortable in this arena because I've been in it a long time. And I am happily married. I was, I was widowed when I was 40 years old. I lost my husband, who was a pastor, very suddenly. I have three amazing children, Jessica, John Mark, and James. Now, they have a different last name, that James Guerra, John Mark Guerra, Jessica Guerra. And I have been happily and miraculously remarried for almost 10 years. So my life, I've seen it, girls. But let me tell you something. My sexuality began when I was born. Those emotions, those things that God puts inside of us as women comes when we are born. When we think about, I'm going to come down here because I'm so short, but I want to see you guys. When we think about who we are as women, when you think about what does that really look like? Now, I think we can agree that in this culture and in this day, it's kind of messed up and the lines are blurred. That can look like a lot of different things. But here's the truth in the matter. You are the definition of femininity from the Lord. He's imparted that into you. And so what your expression is, is what womanhood is to you. We are given, when we are born and we are created by God, we are born with our sexuality intact. We are born with desires. And, you know, whenever we, especially in the church, when we talk about sexual desires and that fulfillment, it's like, oh, my gosh. What's the one thing? Don't have sex before you get married. That's what you hear. That's what I heard. But I never heard the why. It was always the what. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't be in a parked car. Remember my parents, don't ever make out with people in a parked car. Now, did I obey that? I did not. I am not even going to lie. I didn't. I liked kissing. I thought it was from God. And so I thought I was fulfilling my role. See, because when you only know the what and you don't know the why, then you don't understand that why, why it's not a good idea to have prolonged makeout sessions with someone from the opposite sex that you're not married to. So what I want to talk about tonight is not so much the what, because I'm sure your parents have all schooled you in the what. Don't do this. Don't do that. And I, when my daughter was young, she was a high school cheerleader. She was prom queen. She was all of that. And my, every, night, every time she would go out on her date with her boyfriend, I would say, now remember, come back the same way you left. Do not rearrange anything. And I would say that to her boyfriend as well. Do not rearrange my daughter. Do you understand? Or you will have mom to deal with. So that's the what. But why does it matter? Why does it matter that we remain pure? Why does it matter that we, that we don't engage in sexual activity until we are married? Well, I want to share a scripture with you tonight. There's several things I want to share with you. But one of them is out of Song of Solomon 8.4 in the message. 
Okay, now that I put my glasses on, it's Song of Solomon 3, 4. And it says, imagine his left hand cradling my head and his right arm around my waist. Oh, let me warn you, sisters in Jerusalem, don't excite love. Don't stir it up until the time is ripe and you are ready. Wow, isn't that a powerful word? Don't excite it until the time is right and you are ready. You know, so many times as young women, especially if we are in a relationship, we have those desires inside of us, and they start to get stirred up, and they start to become alive. And we really don't know what to do with that. And let me say this first and foremost. Having desire as a woman is not sin. See, because we were created to desire our husband. God put that inside of us. So we were created to love our husband. God created sexual activity, by the way. It is in the Bible. I checked. And so you have that inside of you. It's not wrong to have it. It's what happens when we get messed up with it is when it's not time and it's with the wrong person. Don't awaken it until it's time. It's like eating. If you go to the grocery store and have you ever gone in, especially when peaches are in, are in season. I love peaches, especially the ones from Colorado. They are the best in the whole planet. And so I have gone to the grocery because I don't really know how to pick fruit really great in a great way. And so I have bought a bag full of peaches and I brought them home thinking, I cannot wait to eat this, only to find out that they're still green on the inside. Now, nobody wants a pie made out of green peaches. Nobody wants to bite into that. Nobody wants to eat that for lunch. And so it's the same way that when we do things, when we act on things before it's time or with the wrong person, it's like biting into something. It's like, wow, you think it's going to be wonderful, but the end is always disappointing. And I'll tell you why I'm passionate about this topic. I teach women's conferences. I have been a women's conference speaker for 20 years. And see, I meet women who are my age and a little bit younger. And they're still telling stories of regret. When they were in high school and they went too far on a date. Or they made out with someone that didn't respect them. You see, it's the regret that saddens my heart. You know, when the Lord puts his laws in our heart, it's not just because he doesn't want us to have fun in life, believe me. It's because he knows that with any sin, there is regret. There is a part of us that experiences pain, and because he loves us in his father heart, doesn't want us to walk through the pain and walk through the consequences of making decisions outside of the will of God. Right? What I really want to teach on tonight, and I want to make this, I have my, my vases here. Can you guys all see these? I want to show it to you this way. Rather than think about, okay, don't have sex before marriage. Okay, correct. Okay, write that down. I said it. But 
more so, I want to talk about our value. What is our value? You see, because we make decisions based on our values. Okay, as an example, I value shoes. I love shoes. I love shoes. I love sassy, high heel shoes. And I love them in every color that I could find. I have to rein myself in from buying shoes because there's only so many days in a week or in a year that you can wear shoes. And so I love shoes. But because I love them, I value them. So in my closet, if you came to my house, all of my shoes have their own little box. And they have a little note. So I can look up in my closet and say, oh, I want those black strappy heel, high heel shoes. And they're all, see, now if I didn't value them, they'd be on the floor in a pile. But I value them. So I give them a place of honor in my closet, right? So... Just like that, we have our values. How do we value ourselves? You see, because we will make decisions in relationship based on what we feel about ourselves. So let's say, let's use this example. This vase right here, this is us. This is us at the beginning of time. We're full, we're good. We become women. And maybe our value gets shaken by something. Maybe we feel insecure. How many of you have ever felt insecure? Raise your hand. Yes. I mean, I felt insecure 10 minutes ago. I mean, it's, it's a lifelong thing, right? We can feel insecure. We can make decisions out of insecurity. And so let's say we, since we're speaking about purity and sexuality, let's say we are in a relationship with someone and for the first time, we cross a line that we've placed. We cross that line. Here's what happens. This is my little play money. A part of us goes into this jar. This is the jar of regret. Okay? And let's say we cross that line. We feel horrible about it the first time. Oh, my gosh, what have I done? but I don't know how to erase what I've already done. And so we make promises, we go through our list, we read our Bible, we fast, we pray, we don't tell anybody because we're ashamed. And then the next time we're in the same situation, and guess what? It happens again. Then what do we do? And here's the progression of that kind of thing, especially when shame is introduced you know, shame is from the enemy. Isolation is from the enemy. Anything that you participate in that you could not let everyone know about is to be questioned. That's when you need to have a question in your heart about it. If you have to be ashamed of it, if you have to keep it a secret, let me give you a hint, girls. Anything that is a secret, the enemy has a captive audience in your hearts with. He's got you. And then you've got that secret. And then the enemy can come in and bring condemnation and bring guilt. And then you come into this building and you come to worship and you're trying to worship. And it's like, oh, the enemy's going, but remember what you did? Remember what you did? Regret. Shame. 
And before long, you're standing in the back where you used to be here. You're in the back, and then you're missing service. You know why? Because of this, because of regret. And in a relationship, when you cross the line, you get more and more comfortable. And you know what happens, and I've seen this happen in so many women's lives, that as this regret base gets filled up, you start to care less. Your conscience is seared, as the word says. And you have to justify it. And so what do we do when we have to justify things? I don't know about you, but sometimes if I do something wrong and I really don't want to own it, I start saying, well, but what I'm doing is not as bad as what she's doing. Look at her. And another round of applause. Yay! But here's what happened. We start to compare ourselves against other people and say, but look what she's doing. I'm not, the, I'm not as bad as she is. And if I was doing that, well, then I'd really feel bad. See, and then we try to justify sin. And we try to justify our actions. And what happens? This gets filled up. Now, here's what I hate about regret. It has a price. Regret has a price. When we have regret and we've done things that we're ashamed of and we're isolated, what do we do with that? Can you tell your mom? Hopefully, you have somebody in your life that you can talk to. And let me say this first and foremost. If there's something in your life that's going on that you don't feel like at this point today that you can speak openly about to your parents, please go to your youth leaders and let them help you and guide you in that process. Because I've seen women who have continued to fill this, all of their worth in here, and here's what happens. They stop caring. And before long, they start to feel like they can never, ever get back to who they were. And so you know what they do? They make decisions based on the lack of their value because they think going back is impossible. And let me say something right there. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That is a lie. Because here's the truth in the matter. Neither of these two vases represent us in our position as Christ. You see, because this is our natural self. This is our regret self. But there's another vase. And this is Christ. You see, because our value was never meant to be placed in regret. Because he died to take our sin. 
1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means that no matter what I do, it is impossible, number one, for God not to love me. And it's also impossible for him not to forgive me when I have a, a repentant heart. Now, I shared a bit of my story with you. And let me just share this. I was remarried when I was 42 years old. Now, I know I don't look like I'm over 42, but I really was remarried at 42. At least I like to believe that, right? And I was happily married 18 years to my first husband. And I, I will tell you the truth. I had no clue how I was ever going to love someone else the way I loved my first husband. And the Lord spoke a word to me when I knew that God's plan was for me to be remarried. He said, Stephanie, I make all things new. All things new. And I will tell you that the first time my very hot husband, who I am married to now, oh, he is good looking. I had to rein myself in. I'm going to tell you the truth. Rein it in, girl, because he is a cutie pie. I had to rein myself in. Truth. The first time he kissed me on the cheek, I blushed from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet like I was 14 years old. He makes all things new. You see, when we take all of our, our shame and our regret and our decisions and our value and we place it on ourselves, that's in part. Yeah, that's, that was 1992. No, but, okay. When we take our value and we, rep when we put it in our regret, that's not whole. When we take our value and we filter it through God and his vision for you and his life and his forgiveness and his fresh start, then we're whole. Then we're whole. Because he does not see us as broken. He sees us as his daughter. And there is nothing that he would do, wouldn't do for us. So when you think about your value, how do you feel about yourself? What do you see when you look in the mirror? What do other people say about you is not so important. What do you feel? What is inside of your heart that is the truth about yourself? That's one part. Second part, and I think the most important part, is what is God's word say about you. You see, when we can take the word of God in his truth and we can plant it in our heart and we begin to live and walk like a daughter of the Most High rather than a woman of regret or woman of self, when we really see ourselves through his filter in his eyes, we will walk differently, we will act differently, we will respond differently. And when we are in situations that may be compromised, let me give you just a practical tool. If you're in a situation 
and you feel like you're about to cross a line, pause. See, because when we're in that moment and it's like, oh, things are starting to come alive like the scripture says, that's when you just say, okay, I'm going to take a pause right here. And you know, things can change in 15 minutes. You can have self-control. It's a gift of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to pause. Because you see, you don't want the jar of regret to fill up. Pause. Realize in that moment that your value is not based on the action. You see, because the right man will wait for you. The right man will not want you to have this jar of regret. The right man will put himself last and you first. The right man will realize your value. And if you're with someone who doesn't realize your value, then I have news for you. He's wrong person for you. He is the wrong one. It is worth the wait. It's worth it. And then when God gives the green light, then make up for lost time is what I have to say to that. I have two sons who've just gotten married. It's like, okay, make up for lost time. I'm not even calling you for the first three months of your marriage. Make up for lost time. Let it come alive. Yes. Okay, look at you. This is true. Okay. Like now it's just awkward again. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Do they have the handouts, Shelby? Okay. Okay. Shelby has a little handout for you. And I want us to, to do something just as to be able to really solidify what I've been talking about tonight. And so when you get this handout, this is, these are some scriptures that I use, that I've used, I use as a regular part of my life. And it's truth about who we are. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read these together. And I want us to make a declaration over these things. And the reason you have a copy of that is because I want you to keep this. And on days when you don't feel so wonderful and fabulous and you're wondering what your worth is, I want you to take these out and I want this to be a reminder to you. Okay? Because the Word of God is powerful. It is active. It is strong. And so whenever I'm questioning my own self-worth or I'm feeling insecure, I go to God's word because he speaks truth about me. You see, my emotions will lie. The word of God says that our heart above all else is deceitful. We cannot trust our emotions. In five minutes, they will change. That's why I say pause. Allow time for those emotions to change. Okay? So I want us just to start with this, I am accepted. So I want you to stand. We're going to make a declaration and I want us to read this. We don't have to read the um, address. We don't have to read John 1.12. I just want us to read the scriptures. And take your Bible, take your journals, and go and study these. Study these scriptures. First it says, I am accepted. And let's read these. I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. 
I have been justified. I am united with the Lord, and I am one with him in spirit. I am a member of Christ's body. I have been chosen by God and adopted as his child. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I am complete in Christ. I am secure. I am free from condemnation. I am assured that God works for my good in all circumstances. I am free from any condemning charges against me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am confident that God will complete the good work he started in me. I am a citizen of heaven. I have been given a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. I can find grace and mercy in time of need. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. I am significant. I am the salt of the earth. I am a branch of Jesus Christ and a channel of his life. I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. I am a personal witness of Christ. I am God's co-worker. I am God's temple. I am a minister of reconciliation for God. I am seated with Jesus Christ in the heavenly realm. I am God's workmanship. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I can do th things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Amen. Your worth is your powerful tool in living a life of victory, realizing your value, realizing how precious you are to God, realizing that even if you mess up and even if your jar of regret is filled to the brim, that God takes all of our regret. And he bears the weight of that and is able to give a fresh start. So as we close, I want, you to, I want everyone to just bow their heads and close your eyes. Everybody bow your head, close your eyes. And I want to pray for a couple of groups here tonight. And ladies, if you are struggling with your worth, if you're struggling in your value, if you're struggling in understanding who you are and you're just like, gosh, I don't even, I have stuff, I hear what you're saying, but I don't feel that way, I want you to just quietly just lift your hand right where you're sitting. Like, that's me. I don't know my value. I want to understand it. I want to know that. And, Father, I pray for the, my daughters in this room, Lord, that are lay, raising their hands. And, Father, I ask you to impart your truth into their lives. Father, I pray, Lord, that your truth would silence the voice of the enemy that wants to speak to a lack of worth. I pray, Father, that you show these women how unique and precious and special they are to you, God. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would stir up within them 
the truth, Father, of your creation of them, of your thought of them. Father, and they would walk differently, and they would speak differently, and they would respond differently in the name of Jesus. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.